Welcome to Candler in Conversation, the platform for engaging in conversations about faith, theology, and public life hosted by the Candler Foundry. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of our guests and not necessarily of Candler School of Theology. How do we find balance? That's the question and several others we're engaging on today's episode. I've invited three guests to share their thoughts with us. First, we have the Reverend Brandon Duke. Brandon is a pastor, priest, and a teacher serving St. Julian's Episcopal Church in Douglasville, Georgia. He holds a Bachelor's of Business Administration from Mercy University, as well as an MDiv from Candler. Upon graduating from seminary, Brandon served as a chaplain to homeless men and women at Central Outreach and Advocacy Center in downtown Atlanta, followed by an assignment to Emory University Hospital and Wesley Woods Geriatric Hospital, also in the role of chaplain. After receiving his Diploma of Anglican Studies at the University of the South Swanee Seminary, he was called to St. Julian's where he has served for close to six years. As a parish priest, Brandon has helped to start ministries that emphasize pastoral care, Christian formation, and mindfulness. He is also a sought-after spiritual director and retreat leader, and the spirit of his approach comes from St. Benedict's Rule, where prayer, study, and work are balanced and emphasized. He often says a life of prayer doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be essential to one's walk with love. Thanks for being with us, Brandon. Thanks. Good to be here. Next, we have Sarah Collins. Sarah is an associate professional counselor specializing in the areas of identity formation and development, developing healthy relationships with others and self, life stage transitions, and grief and loss. Sarah earned her MDiv from Candler and then worked as a board certified chaplain in the fields of palliative care, hospice, and mental health. Through her work in these contexts, Sarah has developed a passionate interest in the relationship between spiritual health and mental health. While continuing her work in chaplaincy, she studied clinical mental health counseling and graduated with her master's from Mercy University. Sarah seeks to support her clients in experiencing growing values alignment in various aspects of their lives. She also incorporates narrative techniques to explore the wisdom in her clients' stories and she draws upon existential frameworks as clients navigate questions regarding relationships, identity, purpose, and spirituality. Sarah seeks to empower her clients through the therapeutic relationship as active participants in pursuing emotional, mental, and spiritual health. Thanks for being here with us, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Finally, we have the Reverend Dr. Emmanuel Larte. Dr. Larte teaches pastoral theology, care, and counseling at Candler, as well as in the Person, Community, and Religious Life Program at Emory's Graduate Division of Religion. Dr. Larte came to Candler in 2004 and previously taught pastoral and practical theology at the University of Birmingham in the United Kingdom and at Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia. Dr. Larte's research examines pastoral and spiritual care theories and practices operating in African, European, and American cultures. 
An internationally acclaimed scholar, Larce is recognized as a pioneer in the development of intercultural approaches to pastoral care and counseling, which argues for and models respectful engagement across racial, gender, class, cultural, and religious boundaries. His 1997 book, In Living Color, An Intercultural Approach to Pastoral Care and Counseling, now in its second edition, is internationally used as a textbook in pastoral care. He is also one of Candler's most beloved professors. Thanks for being here, Dr. Larce. Thank you, it's good to be here. So what I appreciate about all of your backgrounds is that you all meet and interact with people who are in the process of just figuring out life, both in the emotional and spiritual realms. So my first question is, what is it like to be in your particular role in this season? How are you emotionally and spiritually meeting people? Okay, well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here with y'all um, and to be in this conversation. I, I would say from a very literal perspective in answering this question, um, emotionally and spiritually, I'm meeting people virtually right now and remotely in many ways. And um, that has been an interesting experiment in practicing presence remotely and all of the um, challenges of that, as well as the surprising successes of that, you know, really being um, surprised by the joy of being able to experience those connections um, still and in this new way. Um, so, so from a very literal standpoint, uh, how I am meeting people has really drastically shifted in this time. Um, I think in maybe a less literal sense, um, I'm meeting people currently um, from within a shared experience. I think as a therapist, uh, often there's a way in which the therapist's experience is not always known or accessible to the person that we're sitting across from. Uh, but in the pandemic, in particular with COVID-19, there's a way in which uh, there is this shared human experience that is sitting between us. Um, and there is definitely a way in which I, I don't have even the kind of mythical ability to say, I know how to do that, right? Or get to the other side of that. We're all pacing together in that. Um, and I'm, I am aware of just the implications of that for the therapeutic relationship, you know, the shared humanity. Uh, I think I'm, I'm often aware of power dynamics in the therapeutic relationship. And I think there is something to this really humanizing experience of walking through this together. Um, and so that's something that I've just been noting um, and aware of, just the shared human experience that I feel like I'm meeting people from, not completely unlike pre-COVID, but in a new and different way. I, I, I love what Sarah said. I mean, it's, yeah, it's this collective anxiety in, in many ways uh, that I, I find myself in a reciprocal relationship, you know, usually as a pastor, you know, you're, you're the shepherd figure or I'm the shepherd figure, but I, I'm, I'm finding because of the, the crazy 
plate that is full that we call 2020 um, of, of all kinds of different uh, um, conditions, uh, we're all in the same game. And so the shepherd role is still there, at least in my head, you know, shepherder and listener, um, the, these types of things. But in, in, a, in a fun way, it's me also wondering out loud, you know, how are you doing with this? Because I seriously want to know too, you know, and how can we, uh, how can we help each other out? And so the, the dynamic for me is not necessarily, you know, me up here and it, it's more, it's more now on an equal playing field than I've been able to maybe express. And so that's been really helpful to me. Um, the biblical image for me that comes to mind is, is I no, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And so I'm, I'm finding maybe a renewed friendship with, um, with the parishioners that, that I could say that I serve, but they're also serving me, which is just a beautiful thing in the midst of all of this. So I, I appreciate that, Sarah. And I, I've, I share um, all of what um, Sarah and, and Brandon, what, what you've been saying. Um, uh, what, I, what I will add to that for myself is um, I kind of had a notion that I'll be less busy because I would not have to go from, you know, hop in my car and go from one place to the next uh, and arrange these things. But I actually find that I am incredibly more busy than uh, than ever before, and and uh, you know, part of seeking to um, to teach pastoral care virtually, uh, seeking to uh, you know administer and preach and teach in church and in community virtually. Um, but then there's this string of things from one to the next. It's almost uh, uh, incredibly uh, fraught in that sort of way. So um, I'm trying to practice what I have been preaching professionally for all these years um, in this new um, setup uh, while constantly, you know, battling to, to ensure that I'm taking care of me as well as taking care of, of, um, of others as well. Yeah, I, thank you. I really appreciate all of your answers. And it kind of sets us up perfectly for the next question. And we're talking about the shift of dynamics in the caretaker versus those that need to be cared for, while also having to do more, in a sense. Like, I'm noticing that people are becoming more and more busy in this time. And for me, it seems like we're trying to fill our, we're trying to fill time with the things that we think we should be filling our time with still in the midst of everything that's still going on. Um, would you all say that that's a way to cope? Or like, what do we do? We're, we're trying to make sense of what's happening. So, so for me, it's, um... I mean, the word balancing, I kind of, the image for me is juggler, really. Um, it's much more uh, than a balancing act. It's, it's, it's more like trying to, to pay attention to a number of different things while uh, maintaining an inner calmness, 
uh, so 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 trying to trying to trying to pay attention to uh, uh, inner uh, an inner sense of um, assurance and an inner sense of of ease um, while juggling a number of different things and I I think of it very much for myself in terms of of body soul spirit community you know all of these dimensions environment you know I think of I think of of myself as juggling my body my soul my spirit my community and my environment so these are the five kind of elements that I think of myself as as um as as juggling uh and trying to maintain a a a, a calm assurance that each of these balls, none of these balls is going to drop. For, for me, it's a, uh, I, I think I've realized how, how busy I was. And so during this time, it's, you know, the big word lately is essential, right? And so it's figuring out what is essential uh, within my, within all the balls that I'm juggling. Uh, and which ones maybe perhaps I can put down for for a while, uh, or ask someone else to maybe maybe hold hold this for a while, um, and discerning discerning that. Um, so it's uh, I, I don't know if I would, I would personally use the word word cope. It's just it's just a it's a discernment um, uh, of 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 balance and what what balance is and um, I think we're we're all been thrown off of a balance this year, and I, I'm not really quite sure if, if if we're still. I think we're still looking for uh, equilibrium right now. So I, for me, it's still definitely in, in discernment phase. Whether that's personal, family, uh, communal, community, uh, right now. Uh, so the image for me would be. Um, uh, steadfastness, holding steady uh, through it all. Um, one of the images, at least initially, uh, with whenever COVID hit in, in March or April, um, that has uh, stayed with me is, is Peter's walking out on the water and sinking whenever he, he starts to look around. Um, that just, that hit me really fast. Um, and what, what made him, of course, not sink uh, into despair, or however you want to interpret that story, uh, was was looking at into the eyes of of Christ, right? And so that's been that's been an image that I've both kind of held close, but then offered uh, to to others as as needed, as just looking into the eyes of Jesus. Uh, and I, I find I find great comfort in that. I really value, you know, those different words, the juggling and the discernment and steadfastness, all of that feels really um, resonant with me. And I think, you know, balance is one of those things that in my mind, we can kind of punish ourselves with. It's that kind of mythical thing that I think often we're aiming for or feeling like is just ahead and sometimes we get this semblance of it and kind of have whatever our new normal is um, and then things shift and we're navigating it all over again and it can feel almost like we can weaponize it against ourselves, I think. And I think that general truth, at least for me, has become 
more more poignant in this time, you know, when things are shifting so much from day to day, month to month. Um, and I know for myself, one thing that I think I do when that's the case reflexively is try to control. Uh, but the more tightly I'm holding, uh, the less balance there often is. Um, and so that often brings me uh, the opposite of what I'm seeking to maintain. And I heard this beautiful quote the other day by a therapist, Cheryl Paul, I believe is her name. And she said that, um, that control is often an effort to prevent loss. And I think for, for many of us, maybe that is an impulse that we have in this time. There's already been so much loss. There's already so much grief. How can I prevent more? And so one thing I've been thinking about a lot in this time, I think, whether it's coping or something else, is how do I acknowledge the things that, that are truly out of my control um, to whatever extent I can on a given day? That's not uh, always easy. Um, but how do I also acknowledge the areas where I do have a sense of agency and really try to live into that as much as is available to me on a given day. Um, and that has been a subtle shift. Perhaps some people might see it as just semantics, but for me, it's been a helpful guidepost kind of now more than ever. Helping with that juggling and steadfastness and discernment that I so appreciate hearing y'all talk about. And, and thank you for raising the issue of guilting or, you know, kind of like, um, you know, how these things like balance and coping and so on can really kind of militate against, I find myself, you know, kind of like, uh, um, you know, if, if I can make myself feel guilty, I will. Um, so, you know, kind of like um, even the, the goal of coping can become such a guilt producing thing. I'm not doing well, I'm not coping, you know, simply because I'm kind of putting um, this on me. So I, I'm, I'm thinking more and more about the, the image of a stream of a, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of flow, one that goes with the flow um, and, you know, when things, uh, the thing about uh, streams is, you know, whatever obstacles you put in its way, it just man manages to kind of go with them. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop them from coming there, but it just, yeah, it just flows. So, so that's the kind of thing. How can I flow? How can I just go with the flow? You know, I don't need to cope. I don't need to balance. I don't even need to juggle. How can I just go with the flow? And, and maintain, um, um, you know, a sort of uh, life of assurance, you know. And I, I really also like the image of the face of Christ because it, it kind of does present a focus because I think flowing for me is helpful if I can stay focused, you know, I can stay, you know, and the focus being the flow, you know, and so, you know, those are some ideas that come to me as I try to navigate this space. You've all already started to 
you'd have the next question too. Um, so practices and rituals that you maybe incorporated into your own personal time or you have suggested to others as they also are trying to do the same things. Like what would you suggest? I, I've gotten more bold as a pastor, I think, through all of this and just started asking uh, the St. Julian's parishioners, so, so what are you doing these days? Like, where is God showing up in your life? Um, what are some of your own practices? And um, it's not that I was not doing that before, but it, it seems to be, it, it seems to be in the air and the, the most proper thing to do right now is um, to ask that. And, and so, um, so it's both an, an asking and then um, and, and joining in. Um, I, I've been really proud of, of uh, the community I serve. And we, in March or April, um, began praying in community in this format, right? Um, together, and we've been doing it twice a day, seven days a week. And so even though I had a, a, a personal practice of my own, um, I, I was able to share that with others and other people wanted to join in. That's, you know, part A. But then also I get curious about, you know, where, where God is showing up in, in your daily life and people being able to articulate it absolutely beautiful. Um, so just allowing for those, those, those spaces for, uh, for ministry to happen and the ministry of, of, of Christ to happen has just been, uh, amazing on on my end so so I guess I'm I'm kind of a proud papa you know of of, of my folks um uh so so I, I I credit it to 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 my my people that I serve I I love this question so much thinking about this within community because and and we've already started talking about this I know and um so, so hopefully this feels not like an offshoot, but a continuation. But I do think we often think and talk about balance as this really individual pursuit. Um, and then we sort of measure our success or failing on that individual level. Um, and, you know, in my clinical practice, I, I work primarily with women. And what I know is that there are often these systemic imbalances that exist in the lives of women at work, in pay gaps, in, you know, the distribution of household responsibilities. But when I am sitting across from a woman and I hear her reflect on whether she's successfully or efficiently balancing various aspects of her life, um, there is often a lot of shame because I think we do think about balance as this individual endeavor. And so for me, part of shame resilience in that is acknowledging the collective aspects of these dynamics, you know, that there are many of us, um, and this goes far beyond um, this example that I'm offering of, of women's ways of um, balancing their lives in the world. But there are many of us who are making these efforts day in and day out to balance this stuff of our own lives, as well as that of many other people in our worlds. Um, so I think about women and the mental load that they might carry within a family or you know, the way in which our society so often tasks people of color with carrying anti-racism work forward. And I think for me, that feels like a very important aspect of balance communally. Um, so when I'm thinking about rituals, 
for finding balance for me, there are things I'm doing in my individual life, you know, trying to stay connected to community. I've taken an online quilting class, which has been kind of a beautiful community. And I'm so looking forward to Karen Scheib's upcoming class with Candler Foundry. I'm just really grateful for the work um, y'all are doing. And, you know, individually I'm working intentionally on trying to embrace more slowness. Um, but I think with this kind of communal balance, I'm really also doing this inventory to try to say, what am I carrying that doesn't belong to me? And how might I release that from my own hands, perhaps even by degree, but then also where are there inequalities or imbalances in my world or in my orbit that indicate that maybe I need to pick up something, you know, or that I have work to do, maybe whether that's redistributing funds or using my voice or leveraging privileges. And so for me, that's some of how I'm conceptualizing balance in this present moment collectively and with rituals is what does it look like for me to be in community in this time? And what does it look like for me to release things that perhaps I'm carrying? And what does it look like for me to pick up things in order to restore balance too? So I'm doing a lot of walking. Um, I often um, experience the divine in nature. So being outdoors uh, is often for me a deeply moving um, experience. Uh, and so, so being able to, you know, to walk, I do, I do a, a regular, um, every day at least, I try to do 30 minutes um, of, of walking, um, which does something physically, um, but it also offers me the opportunity to connect with nature be uh, in, in the environment, uh, and also uh, an opportunity to, to think some thoughts out there, so exercise my mind. Um, also, um, I talk to myself, I hope there are not too many people listening, but I, I talk to myself, <laughs> Sarah, <laughs> Brandon, I talk to myself, right? When I walk, you know, and, and I, you know, I say, come on, Emmanuel, you can do better, you know, or, um, you know, you know, and I, I have this conversation with myself as much as I have with, um, with the divine, um, uh, sometimes, and, and, I mean, I can do that when I'm out walking, you know, because, you know, in, in the house, it would be a bit um, challenging <laughs> to do, you know, to do the self-talk thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are, the, these are the kinds of things that in this time I'm finding uh, particularly uh, helpful, you know, walking, talking to myself, but then also music, um so so um i haven't quite gotten into having my headphones on when i walk so um that may be something that i'll try uh but um i do a lot of listening to especially jazz um because i because for me jazz speaks to 
the uh, discordant and, and chaotic situation and the making of some melody or harmony in the midst of chaos. Uh, and, and so I find that, that, um, that, that, that these are the practices that give me um, strength in these times. Thanks for all those um, suggestions and for also just sharing, you know, what you all do personally. Um, this next question is probably, I won't say the most important, but because we had the first presidential debate last night. Um, yes, I'm wondering what you all would suggest in terms of preparing mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in the next few weeks for the election. Because, um, you know, people are in different places and wanting to be connected and knowing what's going on to also wanting to be completely disconnected because of knowing everything that's going on. So what would you all say? I, I can let you know what I've, I've already decided to do. <laughs> And, and maybe my friends can, can help me out if this is a good thing or not. But um, so I, I, I've I'm kind of a tactile person um, and I know that about myself. And so what I'm gonna choose to do is um, I've asked for a, a mail-in ballot, right? And so um, I'm gonna fill that out and then I'm gonna take a picture of it. And whenever I get overwhelmed, uh, if, you know, the election is, is not decided on election night or, or, you know, all of these things that pundits are saying, right? Um, if, if I find myself being anxious, um, I'm going to, I'm actually physically going to pull out my phone and I'm going to look and say that I had something to say about this. So kind of, kind of the playing jazz, right? It's, there's some chaos going, going around, but man, we're in the key of E flat and, and I'm going to play E flat right now. So um, that's one thing. Um, if I was to go and vote in, in person, um, a suggestion would be, you know, instead of putting the little, you know, uh, Georgia votes on, on your, your clothing, maybe just hold on to that, put it in a drawer, and, and whenever some overwhelming stuff happens, uh, to pull out that Georgia peach and, and say, you know what, um, here, here's my E flat, here's my jazz that I'm choosing to do. So, so that's what I'm choosing to do for, for me. Um, anytime I, um, anytime there's a reconciliation that happens with me between a person or what have you, I do the same thing. I, I write down um, so-and-so and I had a conversation today on, you know, September 30th and I forgave them and they forgave me. And, and whenever I get tempted to, uh, to say that, uh, you know, you, you buried the hatchet, but you left the handle sticking out. Um, then I go, I go to that and, and say, no, this actually happened. So, you know, get behind me, Satan. Uh, leave me alone, uh, this happened. So, so for me, it's tactile, and um, uh, I'm going to let the chaos play out, but let's just play jazz with it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting. There's a lot of crossover um, with Brandon, what you were saying, because um, what, what, what I had uh, uh, in that was journaling, you know, so I was, yeah, so it's very much, very much like that. It's like um, um, just writing down you know um yeah i mean the 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 thing we call a debate that happened last 
night. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think journaling is is uh, is going going to be for me, and certainly for for some, something that I would recommend. You know, just 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 writing down my thoughts and my feelings, uh, and having something um, concrete that I can. Uh, you know that I can deal with, because uh, because especially if there's going to be a period of waiting and a period of anxiety, then you know journaling can often be a, a useful way of um, you know objectifying some of our thoughts and also um, you know sometimes sometimes for me I don't exactly know what I'm thinking until I write it down. You know, so that also kind of uh, can help uh, help in in that uh, process, but that that's that's the that that really is the only thing that I can uh, think about at this time. Yeah, I I really resonate with those offerings um, because I I do know that in some ways I can feel a, a loss around that at times so i'm i'm grateful to hear your your ideas and your thoughts i think one thing i think about a lot with anxiety of any kind you know from a therapeutic perspective is i do believe there's a lot of wisdom in our anxiety or any of our felt experiences and so you know my goal as a therapist is never to rid someone of anxiety um, because it is a messenger that we need to to tell us or, or alert us that things may not be safe, you know, or that there might be something that's not as it should be. And so often I think of my work as a therapist as attempting to collaborate with someone to right size anxiety, you know, bring it into proportion. And I think the very real challenge of this time leading up to the election is that there are very many very real fears that are on the table um, that are not disproportionate. And I think it's sort of my responsibility to be honest about that, you know, in therapy and out of therapy. And so because of that, I think this time in my mind necessitates that I respond with as much awareness to myself as I can. And then from that place, bringing as much awareness to the world around me as I can. Um, so I think, you know, if I were to say that in a nutshell, that my hope is that I can be most aware of and present to the world around me um, and to stay with it if I am aware of and present to myself, um, which is sometimes easier said than done. And so that's why I so value the, the tangible practices y'all were speaking about. Um, so knowing what I need, knowing what my limits are, honoring those. Um, and then I guess the only other thought I have here is that anxiety, I think, is often very future-oriented, of course, informed by the past, but often future-oriented. And so I think it can be helpful for me when anxiety is swirling to remind myself of grounding in the present in some way, even just acknowledging in this moment I'm safe or in this moment I am with, with someone I love or today I have been in contact with, with someone who means a lot to me, those kinds of things. Um, those can provide anchors. Um, 
but I think it's 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 a big question and one in which you know there's a lot of mystery for me at least. I think there's also something to be said for um, sharing um, community. I, I, you know, I think back to um, the 2016 election. Um, after afterwards, my uh, my room, um, you know, in Candler, the the some people just came in. They just needed to, you know, and so it just became a space where people could be together. Uh, mostly, most were deeply, you know, there, were, there was a lot of sadness. Um, so we didn't say much, but we were just, we just acknowledged each other's presence. And so it was kind of like um, group, but not group, you know, I mean, we were not, do, we were just, holding each other, not even physically, but holding each other's presence. Um, and I think it was encouraging that, um, you know, people found encouragement that somebody else was also experiencing, you know, what they were experiencing. So I, I, I think there may be something to be said for, you know, having uh, persons with whom one can share whatever the feelings and um, expressions maybe, or others with whom one can be in silence, who can hold, um, who we can hold together. I think that's so helpful to hear. I, um, the, the verse that comes to mind is, I, I wanna weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, right? And as someone that pastors a community, we, we do this naturally. We do this every single week with one another. And oh, by the way, you know, we also kneel with one another. We pray for one another, and so um, let, let's honor, let's honor the transcendent in the midst of in the midst of our grief and the midst of our of our joy. So it's, I, I love your your image of just students coming in your office. That's just that's it right there. I think that image right there, and so it's allowing that space uh, again uh, to happen because we have relationship with one another. Um, because we laugh, laugh with one another, because we cry with one another. So thank you for that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Candler in Conversation. Be sure to like and subscribe to be updated when we release new episodes. You can also visit candlerfoundry.emory.edu to learn more about our courses, speaker series, resources, and other offerings developed with you and your community in mind. Thank you.